You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike. For more information, check out circleofhope.net. I want to tell you about um, what I've been thinking about for the fifth Sunday of Lent. And we've been saying that Lent is human practice. We're practicing being human. Jesus leads us in that from Mark 12, 29 through 31, which I'll get to in a minute talking about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus has given us this kind of map for what it means to be a human being, I think, and we've been reflecting on it. But first, let me start with Theo. I hope that he doesn't uh, hate me someday because all these things get recorded and he'll hear all these stories about him when he was five, but I have a son named Theodore who's five, and he's just too good of an example for this human project. You know, it's so easy to see our, our development as human beings um, when, we're, when we're small. That's why we're singing songs about growing up there at the beginning. He's grown like a weed, and, and, and so we bought him shoes that are a little too big for him, you know? And he was going for it yesterday on that beautiful day, and he just, you know, also his legs, you know, don't work that well because he's five, you know? They, they're getting bigger, and you have to, like, coordinate, but it's, it was really the shoes, I think, so I'm taking, I'm taking the blame for this one for his fall. I'm taking the fall for his fall because he fell down and skinned his knees real bad. He also ripped his favorite pants. Uh, so, terrible moment. They're these bright blue trousers that make him look ever so dapper. Anyway though, the dust biting. He's crying and screaming um, with all of his strength, all of his muchness. And we'll get to that, I- that idea later of muchness, but Theo knows his muchness. All of his personhood is involved in this lament. So I scoop him up and I take him into the bathroom and we're cleaning out the scrapes and he's just shrieking. And these are his exact words. The pain! The pain! He's so dramatic. Just just so dramatic. And then we get the band-aids on and band-aids fix everything. You know, pain gone instantly. Um... But then we had to pull his pants back up, and he saw the ripped pants. And then it was, <coughs> the pants, the pants. He didn't do the pants, the pants, but that's really poetic. But he was sad. <laughs> he was sad about the pants when we pulled them back on, because he didn't have his favorite pants anymore. And it was, the, it was his sorrow for the pants that got me, because it was a little bit softer and a little bit like more like unique and sincere how much he loved these pants. You know, scraped knees are like, whatever, kid, come on, can you please not yell so loud? But the, his sadness for the pants just really got me. His capacity for grief uh, was teaching me something, no matter how dramatic it was. Uh, it, I think it was teaching me something about muchness. We've been working with this thing that Jesus said in Mark 12, and somebody is, is trying to get Jesus to ask him, Which of all the hundreds of commandments given to us is the most important? And Jesus answers this. The most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And so we've been going through this. There are six Sundays in Lent, so I added the body at the beginning there. The I that is saying that, sort of, the body is involved in this too. And I, I decided that 
um, love your neighbor as yourself is kind of looped into this human project of what what yourself is in community and we'll learn something about that how we relate to God in a group next week on Palm Sunday but here we are in strength love the Lord your God with all your strength what does that mean how do we some of the good news that I've been saying is that God wants to love you in all of these ways there are many ways for God's light to get in it's not just one way it's not if, if one way isn't working like if you're kind of a cerebral person and like the doubts are like crushing you there are other ways that God is getting to you if you're a really emotional person and you come to worship and we just did that whole thing and nothing happened for you so you're like there's nothing I didn't feel anything it's okay there's other ways for God's light to get in we are layered people. We are complex. Jesus was a human being, and he showed us how to be a human being perfectly. On the daily prayer this week, we've been following this uh, kind of obscure writer, last name Bear, B-E-H-R. And he's been talking about how the process of growing in our, our discipleship of Christ is like being created for the first time. We're, we're not returning to the garden. We're becoming ourselves in the new garden which is the new creation and at its center is the tree of life which is the cross of Jesus Christ this is good news we're going somewhere we're becoming our full selves and it's on all these different levels and today I want to talk about strength which uh, my uh, one of my favorite guys Rob Bell exposed me to thinking about strength as muchness there's this word that is coming from Deuteronomy here Hebrew, it is me'od. It's kind of like meh and then od. Me'od. And the best translation, some people say, would be muchness, which is not a human word, but let's make it one because it's a really good one. Love the Lord your God with all your muchness. Theo was all up in his feelings in the fall in the driveway, and he was all in it with all of his muchness. That's what he's teaching me. He goes for it. We kind of lose that ability as we grow up, and I think that I was actually helping Theo lose it a little bit when I made him walk down the stairs. I said, I know it hurts, bud, but I know you can do it. You know, this, this pain doesn't have to consume you so much that you can't function. Walk down the stairs. We have to learn this kind of thing, right? We can't just, we can't just be shrieking all the time, though I hope that you have the capacity to do some shrieking. Just not all the time. Learning how to control yourself and not just be totally in your impulses is the process of growing up. And I was teaching Theo that a little bit. But unfortunately, that comes with a, a hazard. The hazard of learning how to, how to control that is that you might lose that capacity to get into your muchness or get into your feelings at all. You could kind of learn to be completely separate from your pain and not actually be able to feel it or especially not able to express it very well because we're all feeling it we're all feeling the pain but we might not be able to say it we might not be able to say in this sweet sorrow the pants the pants that unique thing for you that hurts you know you might be out of touch with that you might just have a numbness or a dull ache or a, an inarticulate groaning which is something that's good but we want to get good at shining the light on those things and our muchness can be a part of it, putting ourselves into it in all of its fullness. It's not just strength. It's not just like you like be physically fit. 
for God. I think some people might have thought of that before. And I think that's a, a pretty flimsy uh, definition or uh, application of what Jesus is saying. I like this muchness much better. Muchness. Everything you've got. All of you. It can't be more than that. It can't be more. Jesus can't be asking for more than all of you. More than what you have. Be content with what you have to give. This is the good news. You don't have to have more. Only your muchness. Not some ideal of much or some ideal of personal power and strength, but just what you have. The giving increases your muchness because you are drawing on resources beyond yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and muchness, and love your neighbor as yourself. That last part is a, is a, is a proving ground for your muchness. How can you love? How can you pour yourself out with your muchness? Without Jesus, you only have so much muchness, right? You, you only have as far as you can get on your own, which for some people is a lot. You might have made it through your life so far without a lot of need for Jesus. Do you know people like this? That have, they've just kind of, their life was okay. You know, they hadn't, they hadn't really been through a lot. And, and they, they didn't really come up against the need for any more muchness. They had enough to face the challenges that they had faced already. Some people might make it all the way through their life without experiencing any sense of not enough. But the ultimate reality is, is that you will not have enough when it comes to your death. At death, it's inevitable that you're going to come up against this reality. Oh, there's not enough of me. And I hope to God that y'all experience some not enough before you get to death. Because once you're there, once you're all the way to the end of your life, and I hope you, and I'm, I'm imagining that you're going to live a long life and arrive at death in your old age. And if you haven't experienced any need for God yet, and you're only getting there on your deathbed, it's going to be really hard to let the light in. It's going to be really hard to go through that because you will have been so accustomed to not needing anything but your own self. And I've met people on their deathbed like that. I'm going to tell a story later about it, but I remind you, I've been with a lot of people in their death because I was a chaplain for a few years in the hospital. And so if your muchness was just your you-ness for your whole life, it can be really terrifying. And there's another way. Love the Lord your God with all your strength, all your muchness is an invitation to reach your not enoughness every day and to give all that you've been given and nothing more. We need to be in touch with our sense of emptiness. That's why Lent, that's what Lent is for. That emptiness is not necessarily trustworthy. That sense of emptiness. You know, we are, we do have like a basic need, but our sense of that need is, is often much stronger than the reality. When we live in not enough, when our story is there's not enough, I'm not enough, I don't have enough love to give. Jesus, shut your mouth. Don't tell me to love anybody. I could barely love myself. You know, like that that story is is powerful. But Jesus is calling us back into the source, into the flow of love, into God in God's self. There is more, and we want to be in touch with that. And I think that requires curiosity about how we really work. 
about how our emptiness or our not enoughness, what is our actual muchness? Do we have a muchness gauge? <coughs> Here's another story that I think would be a better one to tell than there's not enough. I have connection to infinite love. Jesus is the source, and I have received from him. It may feel like just a little bit sometimes, but that's all he asks me to give. All of my muchness is all I have, nothing more. So I can give what I have been given. We can repent from other stories than this one. We can say, no, this, in, in, in some other words, they could be your own, but essentially this is the story that gets, us in, that gets us into a safe enough place to examine, am I empty or not? Have I given my muchness today in this love project, or am I, or am I hoarding it, or am I out of touch with what's really in me? Do I have any little more to, to pour out? You know, Because a lot of times we walk through our lives just feeling like there's nothing in the tank, right? We're kind of perpetually on empty, but even when we get to empty, there might be a little bit more, and that's all it takes to change the world. That's all Jesus is asking for. I have, a, I have a friend whose dad, every time he buys a car, and he's bought a lot of cars because he's a dad, you know, and dads have some experience, and you listen to them about cars and stuff. Um, so every time he buys a car, my friend's dad uh, waits till he gets to, uh, to the E-line, and then he goes to the gas station, of course, but he fills up a gas tank and puts it in the trunk, and then he keeps driving. He notes the, he notes the, um, the odometer reading for that trip to see when did the E-light come on. And then he keeps driving, and he actually runs out of gas. It's not good. It is not good. It's not good for your fuel uh, pump to do this every time. Nicole's shaking her head. I know. <laughs> it's illegal to carry gas in your trunk, but other than that, it's a great idea. I don't care. I have no. I have no concern for the law. You do it once to figure out how far can you go when you're on empty. To have a sense. To have a sense of that. And. Uh, I, I, I like this practice. I've never done it, but um, it's a great metaphor for when you're feeling like you're empty because there, there's more in the tank. I have a Prius, which I love because it gets, it's a very high mileage efficiency car. And so when my car gets to E and I'm driving people around, we're like, yo, we need to stop. And I'm like, no, I've got at least, I've got at least 40, actually probably 80 miles to, that we can go because there's two gallons in that tank, you know. Um, if we really needed to, and that feels good. You know, it's about just tilting just a little further. You know, there might be a little bit more that you can give. You don't have to give the world. You don't have to have a whole gallon of extra gas in your, in your car. You just have to get a little bit further, one foot in front of the other, like Yvonne was saying. Maybe you could go one more step. Something within you wants to, like, step backwards from a situation or from an opportunity to love. And maybe you just step one step closer. Just get a little bit closer to that person. Something in you wants to stay silent and, and just let it happen. Let something happen. But maybe you just have one word. Just one word. And that word could change things. We don't know. We're not in charge of this. Just a slight little tilt. You know, when you could check out, but you decide to just stay checked in. Not, not, not peace out, not leave the situation not clam up, not shut down, just I'm going to stay here in this uncomfortable moment, in this tension. I'm not going to say I don't have enough to do this. I'm just going to not turn off. That's a little bit more. 
That's one more step. You know, when you might say something snarky and kind of just cut, cut the legs out of anything serious that could be happening, but you just decide to let that thought go by, then you just, you just don't say anything. That could be a lot. That could be some muchness. How much do I have to give? I cannot say that thing that, I'm impu that my impulses tell me to say. That's just a little bit more. It might not be that much that you have to give. Fine. Give what you have to give. Don't let the story about how much you have stop you from giving what you actually have. This is what Jesus is inviting us into. But everyone is different. Every, just like every car is different. That's why my friend's dad, every time he bought a car, had to go figure it out. Knowing how much we have, is it's not an exact science. And that's why um, we need a, a Lent to have a time to pay attention. What's actually going on inside my, my life? What's going on inside my heart? What, what is my muchness shaped like? You know, when something's not working right on the inside, even the dashboard says we have gas, the car won't start. You know, sometimes it's not even, sometimes the indicators are even all off. You know, like when it says that, you ha that, you're, that you're on half a tank and there's nothing there. Like you could experience, I'm, I'm going metaphorically here. You know, like you could be saying like, uh, everything, my life, I should not feel the way that I feel. I should have more muchness. My life works in all these different ways and all the bells and whistles are, are functioning normally. The dashboard says it, this car can go, but I ain't going anywhere. You know? That needs to be paid attention to as well. It can't just be some external thing like the driver's man, the, 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 the car manual telling you what, what you're supposed to do. No, get into the real. Get into the now. Get into what darkness you're in. Get a lay of the land and let some light in on that. When I lived in Mexico City, I had a car like that. I, did, I didn't own it, but the family had, had a car that it was a, it was a Dodge Shadow, which second to the Volkswagen Bug is the most popular car in Mexico City, and we had one. And this Dodge Shadow, every, every time it got below half a tank, it would not start. <laughs> okay, and it was an old Dodge Shadow, and that was just how it was. And we lived up on the top of a hill called the Ahusco. It's really a mountain. And they had just built roads just like straight up the hill. So they were super steep. Like when you were walking up the street, you really needed to like kind of zigzag to, to get up. It was like you were a mountaineer on the street. So it's not that big a deal if we don't have any gas because we can just coast down the hill to the gas station. You know, probably a couple miles down the hill was the gas station. And uh, so getting down the hill wasn't that bad except for Los Topes. In Mexico City, the, the, there is not as much regulation. And so there are homemade speed bumps on almost every block. And they are often so high <laughs> because they weren't made by any city engineer. They were just made by someone who said, don't kill my kids on this street. I'm putting in a speed bump. And so you would have to get, you would have to slow way down and go over them just like you were walking up the street, but like over the, at an angle, you know, this like, so that you're, you don't have both, both, both all of the wheels on, on opposite sides of the speed bump. Otherwise it's going to scrape the bottom. You know, have you ever been in a big bump like that? We have to go over at an angle. So, it would be really easy to get to the gas station, but we had to get down, and at every tope, we had to stop, almost stop, and get over it real gently. So I'd have to get out and push um, over each of these speed bumps. It wasn't super hard, but he would have to tap the brake enough that he would need some momentum, my, my buddy Rody, to get up over 
the, the, the speed bump. And so instead of getting in and out of the car at every speed bump, I would push at the back and then hop up on the bumper and surf the car down the hill. All right? It was the best time of my life. Not having enough was really fun. All right? <laughs> So you know you you get to the you you're you're coasting down the hill until you get to a, a, a maybe sometimes you have a stop sign too those suck, um, but you get to the speed bump and and I'd hop off and push and then hop back up on and we'd make it to the gas station, fill it up to to the top, or whatever money we had really, and uh, then we'd be able to go where we needed to go with gas power. It was good. Running out of gas was fun, and since it's inevitable, it's inevitable that we're gonna run out. Uh, maybe not in a car, um, but certainly in your life, you're going to run up against your limits. And so we can choose to enjoy it. Don't have much to give today? Fine. Give what you can. Not sure what you're actually, when you're actually on empty or why your gauge <coughs> says you shouldn't be on empty, but you feel that way? Fine. Coast down the hill. Find out how to get to the fueling station and have some fun on the way. Much of this is beyond us. A lot of the internal working of our muchness is a mystery, even to us. We don't try to be an expert on yourself. Be curious about who you are. You know, there in the dark, that mystery, something's <laughs> growing and we don't totally understand it. So we pay attention. I'm actually glad I'm not a mechanic like Jimmy um, because this metaphor really works for me because I could just take apart the whole car and figure out why the heck the gas is. Come on, just fix the car. I don't have that. Instead, I have to like go for the ride, you know, and figure out how to make it work, even though it's not working as it should. So it works better as a metaphor. Jimmy could probably get the Dodge Shadow to run, um, but I'm, I'm stretching the metaphor here too far. So let me tell you one more story, and then, then I'll be close to finished. Um, about it being beyond us. This is beyond us. It's beyond us on the inside, but it's also beyond us on the outside. That one word that you have, that little bit of something that you have to give to the world, that, that tiny drop of love that's still in there that you manage to tilt, just tilt out, it actually gets going and it's so much bigger than, than what we often think. Again, I said I was a chaplain at Jefferson Hospital, so I was with people in difficult situations where they were really in need of some of my muchness. You know, they, they, were, at, they were at their empty and I was a source of fuel for them in a situation where they were really sick or they were losing a loved one or all kinds of grief um, that is associated with being in the hospital. And I was, one day I was on my rounds, which is just kind of walking around being friendly. That was, that was mostly my job, uh, trying to love people as I walked around. And, and uh, then, then the nurses would call me for the really difficult situations, but they knew I was there. Oh, let me call Ben. Uh, he, he, he's needed in this situation. And I was walking around, I was in the ICU, and uh, this family comes around the corner, and they're like, Ben! Hey! And I'm just like, hey, I have no idea who you are. And they come up, and they hug me, and they say, oh, you were such a blessing to us. It had been like a few months since their mother had died in that ICU. <coughs> and they were coming back. They had brought like gifts for the ICU nurses. And I, and I was there. But I didn't even remember these people. And that's really weird. I usually remember people. Like, and that's kind of like part of the trade is to have this connection. But I faked it, and I walked away just 
mesmerized at this kind of power that I had that I was totally unaware of. My muchness was so much more than, than I had thought. I had had some interaction with these people that like was memorable enough for them to bear hug me in the hallway, but I couldn't remember them. You know? It's bigger. Our muchness goes further. Do you have a story like that? We're not in charge of the impact that we have. So our little bit of muchness could be just enough for somebody. I hope you have, I hope you, I hope you start looking for stories like that if you can't think of one right now, where, where, where what you had to give was, was more than you thought it was. This is a balance though, like everything. Sometimes it feels really good to go as far as you can, you know, to really just run out of, of gas. You know, this is a practice you could do. Get in touch with one of the, if you're gonna like have your spiritual car run out of gas or maybe even your physical car. Doesn't it feel good sometimes to just get totally physically exhausted? I mean, if you do it every day, probably not. But to like know that, oh, these are what these muscles are for, you know? Oh, those, those are muscles right there on like the side of my butt. You know, like there are muscles there. <laughs> that 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 feels good to to get there. Weightlifters, you know, love this. Uh, they 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 max out their muscles. You know, no pain, no gain. You know, you have to get to the end of of the muscles' capacity to grow them. And they actually have like, have you have you heard of like a runner's high, Bob? Have you ever had a runner's high? Big runner. You know, you kind of your body just you get beyond your body, and it's this kind of. Uh, um, ethereal experience. You, you, I don't. I, I think it has something to do with endorphins and dopamine in your body responding to the pain that your body is feeling. Like you've pushed your body so far that your your body is like flooding you with these good feeling um, uh, chemicals so that you don't you know lose it and just pass out. Um, but that that feels good, and so uh, I think we can get there spiritually too. Um, that when we're when we're in this kind of empty zone, which I think we are often, it might be that it might be being human is that you're kind of close to empty all the time, trying trying to, to be filled up. When we when we do that, we can get comfortable there. You know, it doesn't have to be terrifying if you get to the end of yourself and you find that there's a little bit more, or you find that there's a lot more in Christ to fill you up. It's not a dangerous place to be, and you can experience that kind of end of yourself in a safe way but until you do until you get through that it's terrifying and you never want to do it and you spend most of your life avoiding it but to go to it to go to that place with jesus in safety and to get through it you can then become something else you become a different person a, a new sort of human maybe you're, you're that's one step into the new humanity that jesus is offering us is when we can get through that threat into the life of abundance that Jesus is offering us. I gotta tell this story. I don't have time, but I gotta tell this great story. One more story from Rob Bell. He was telling about this psychologist, Ellen Langer. Here she is. She's from Harvard and she's a psychologist and she did this experiment where she gathered a bunch of hotel workers, like hotel mates, uh, women who work in the hotel industry and, and, and she asked them, how many of you get exercise on a regular basis? And 67% of the women, there were 84 women, 67% of them, like two-thirds of them said, I don't get any exercise at all. <coughs> None. And then she cut the group in half and she sent some of them home. 
said, okay, fine. You don't get any exercise. Thank you for your information. Bye. But then the other side, the other half, she, she kept back and, and she actually told them with um, a bunch of uh, like facts and figures and, and doctors stuff, you know, actually, when you do this, like when you're making a bed and when you're sleeping and vacuuming, these are, that's how many calories you burn. And these are, the, these are the muscles that you're working when you're doing your job. So they gave them, this, they gave them a story about what their job did for their bodies. And they had measured all the women's uh, physical, um, like vital signs and stuff like that, blood pressure, uh, taking measurements to see how health, their general health. And then they brought both groups back after 30 days. And the group that had gotten no more information about the caloric burning or any kind of the benefits of their work, uh, their statistics, their vital signs, all of that were basically the same. You know, they were essentially 30, 30 days, no change. Whereas the women who had been told the story about what their jobs were, were how their jobs were benefiting their bodies, they had uh, experienced a 10% drop across the board in blood pressure. They had gotten healthier in 30 days and they, they didn't change their routines. They didn't like start going to the gym. This information, this story about their job had somehow affected their actual bodies. This is so weird, okay? Like maybe, um, maybe uh, the stories that we tell about ourselves affect every cell in our body. Maybe it's connected. If you say, I'm just not that loving of a person, how in the world would you ever be one? How would you be anything but what you say? If you would say, my muchness ain't much and I don't have anything to give, I'm on empty, I'm gonna do me, I don't have, I'm not gonna love at all, I'm not gonna love you, and I'm not gonna love the Lord, no way, don't have anything to give. No, yeah, you win, you win. That story has power and it will win. But if you go back to this, this other story, I have an infinite connection to love. Jesus is the source, and I have received from him. It may feel like just a little bit sometimes, but that's all he asks me to give. All of my muchness is all I have, nothing more. So I can give what I have been given. It's a better story. Take it, and it might change your life. I don't know how that one changes your, your actual physical body, but it might do that too. We'll, we'll have to get Ellen Langer in here to do an experiment on us and see. But I invite you, and I think Jesus is inviting you when he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, muchness, and love your neighbor as yourself. He's inviting you into that big love that's bigger than you and beyond <coughs> you and allows you to give the little that you have in a way that is transformative for you and for the whole world. Amen? Amen? Let me pray, and then we can talk back. This is our muchness, Lord. This is what we have to give. You've given us much of it. I suppose all of it. And we offer it to you and those around us. Help us to lean forward, take one more step, get a sense of how empty we really are so that we can one, be filled by you but two spill ourselves out 
as we're able, as you enable us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. We have just a little bit of time for talk back, and then Kathy's going to send us on our way uh, with some vision. But what what do you what what's coming to your head? Is there anything you want to say, or any questions you want to ask, Thomas? Uh, yeah. First of all, that was a great. Uh, that was really. It was a meta actually, because that story about the maids, like, kind of inspired me. Like that, there's an idea that a story can kind of do that kind of ten percent effect on blood pressure. The story itself is like, oh, okay, maybe I can find something that puts me in a more positive mood. Maybe that decreases my blood pressure. But anyways, yeah, you could maybe you could get healthier. Yeah, just by that story, I kind of like. But uh, the other thing too is like what you were saying earlier. I feel like a lot of times, like just doing that one extra, like going that last little mile, pushing the car, or whatever. Uh, like when you, when someone asks you to do something for them and it might be unpleasant or you might think, oh, this isn't like my responsibility. If you do that last little gas and you're just like, all right, I'll do it for them. You save like <coughs> half your day being kind of miserable by starting a fight and all that when you could just easily do it. It's just easy, easy. And, and the other person's happier and creates a more happy environment. It's just better. Yeah, cost benefit of analysis of the yeah, relationship. This, yeah, the could, CBA of it is could, could be part of it. I, I would caution that, that I that I hope that, and I hope that I made this clear, but I think I might not have, is that the goal is to know how much you have. And sometimes that, that answer is not enough to do that. And you and you do learning to say no without causing a fight or without feeling terrible all yeah, day is part of this project as well. Yeah, I was yeah. just saying no, certain I'm, situations. I'm, I'm editing myself, not yeah, yeah. 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 So Thomas's um, joy during singing was infectious. So thank you for yeah, yeah. Um, just sharing your natural joy. And um, I had that very thing happen the other day. We've had a really rough couple of weeks, and uh, when Audrey called me to ask me to take Shadi today, my initial knee-jerk reaction was no. Like, are you kidding me? Like, you have no idea, but it's been a rough couple of weeks. But I didn't respond. I just kind of was like curious about my quick no and um, gave it a couple of hours and then realized, you know, it's two days away. Probably by Sunday, I'll feel different than I do right now. And he and I are having such a great time today. So nice. Yeah. Nice. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.